0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. While I was in college, I spent my summers working at Sleeper State Park. Sleeper State Park is one of the state park campgrounds in the state of Michigan, and it's one of the largest of the 97 that they had. Is it because I worked there? It meant that I spent most of my time during the summer cleaning bathrooms, picking up campsites, patrolling the beach for litter, putting sand back where it belongs, and doing those sorts of things. And While those tasks on their own weren't particularly fun, the people we worked with made it a great summer to have. One of the best parts of the summer each year was getting to know the people we would work with as we went out to work each day. One summer, I was able to work with a woman who was also working on her degree in English. And so she was taking a summer course in English literature, focusing on great American writers. And so as part of that class, she had been assigned a summer-long project of delving into the life of J.D. Salinger and his work, The Catcher and the Rye. When the summer first began, she was very excited about this assignment. Assignment. Her generally happy-go-lucky self couldn't wait to dig into Salinger and this incredibly influential work of American literature. For the rest of us, we spent our summer not only learning a lot about Salinger, as she talked about it, but also seeing what happens when somebody immerses themselves into the life of a very influential writer and speaker. You see, as the summer wore on and she dug deeper and deeper into the catcher of the rye, reading it over and over again, we noticed that she slowly began to change. First, we noticed it in her language. Salinger famously uses a lot of vulgarity in his text, and as she immersed herself in his writing, she became more and more vulgar as well. She went from someone who rarely used to profanity to having to be talked to by our boss about cleaning up her language because it was beginning to offend people staying in the campground. Then it was her demeanor. Over time, her happy-go-lucky self progressed through the summer, and she had her happiness and joy just slowly slip away. She developed a bitter edge to the way she saw the world, an edge to the way she spoke to those around her. Finally it got so bad that we were worried as her co-workers about her slipping into depression as she continued to explore the dark themes and angst found in his book. It wasn't until the class finally came to an end and she stopped reading Catcher in the Rye for a period of weeks that she began to return to her previous self. I've thought about this summer a lot since then. And each time it comes to mind, I grieve for her in the summer that she lost. But I'm also reminded of how quickly we can be changed by those things that we surround ourselves with. We see this happen all the time in our lives. A parent hears their own child use profanity for the first time or speak in a disrespectful way or be unkind to another person and wonders, where did you learn to talk like that? Or we realize that we ourselves become desensitized to the awfulness of the world around us because we have surround ourselves by nonstop commentary about the evil that happens in the world. Or we adopt the language or the demeanor or the behavior of a position we don't really hold or believe, but it's convenient to do so as we mimic those around us. We find ourselves thinking differently than we once did because of the way that we've immersed ourselves in the world. Perhaps you've never considered how you've changed because of the things you've surrounded yourself with. Maybe now you're wondering for the very first time, how have you changed over your life? And I can assure you this kind of change has happened within you. You've emulated emulated those you respect. You've adapted and mimicked your peers. You've spoken differently in order to meet the expectations of those around you. You've adopted new behaviors, new speech, new activities as you grow throughout the course of your life. Everyone does. Everyone must. This is what it means to grow and mature each and every day. Where it becomes dangerous or where we fail in this is when we fail to ask ourselves if the changes we're making benefits or hinders the way we live our life and confess our faith in the world. When we do that, we realize that if we consume only the bad, the unhelpful, the unhealthy, the evil, then all that will come out of us will be the bad, the unhelpful, the unhealthy, and the evil. But today, Isaiah gives us a second option, a different image to consider. He speaks to us and says, "'The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary.'" Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. When Isaiah speaks these words, he's speaking to Israel. God's people gathered together at a time when life was not easy. They were surrounded by sin, surrounded by evil. For those who are faithful, They often felt as if there was nowhere to turn for help. Everything around them looked wicked, and the temptation to fall into despondency and depression would have been great. The world is falling apart around you. When you find yourself immersed in vulgarity of sinfulness and angst, where should you turn? Isaiah tells us, Turn to those who are taught, and God will give you a word that will sustain the weary. In other words, he will come, and he will strengthen you and keep you from disgrace. What an amazing promise to hear especially as we gather on Rally Day, especially as we begin a new year of Christian growth here in this congregation, and in the next service install teachers who are volunteering to surround the youngest in our congregation with the Word of God. And this text from Isaiah reminds us of why we come here, why we gather in this space with these people as we struggle to not be overcome by evil or changed by the vulgarity of the world. We come and we gather here with one another so that we would be overcome not by the words of the world, but the words of the cross so that we could be changed and overcome by the holiness of God. Isaiah goes on to proclaim in his message that it is the Lord God that opens your ears and brings you back to him. It is the Lord God who keeps you from shame. It is the Lord God who declares you to be innocent and teaches you to trust in the name of the Lord. It is God himself who does these things so that you would be overcome not by the evil of the world, but by the glory of your Father in heaven. In contrast to the things of the world, in contrast to the truth captured in the catcher of the rye, that nothing changes for the better, that the things of this world will leave you right where you began in angst and sinfulness, Isaiah gives us a different truth. One that propels us forward to something different, someplace better, that propels us to hope and promise. A place at the foot of the cross where we hear not of death and despair, but of life and forgiveness. Where we hear the words of Jesus pleading forgiveness for a vulgar people found on this earth where we hear the word of God declare that the punishment of sin is finished and the greatest word, the word made flesh, breathes his last so that he can breathe the life into you. Isaiah knows that it is this word that that sustains the weary people of God. And he knows that if you fill your ears with this word, Morning by morning you will be awakened by God to hear his gift of salvation for you. Not only will you learn that God wants this, that God gives this to you, but you will also learn that he wants this for you as well. This is why he commands, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. He commands this not because he needs us here so that he can feel good about himself. What a foolish idea that would be. God commands us because he knows that we need to be here, to hear his word proclaimed so that we can have hope and not despair, life and not death, so that we can learn to trust his name above all things. And all of scripture teaches us this. All of Scripture testifies and says when we hear God speak, when we hear his word, we learn that he has come for us. And we learn that he commands us to keep the Sabbath by doing these things, that we be gladly present at public services, to hear, learn, keep, and protect the word, to confess the word, to use the sacraments, to make attractive the profession of faith in the doctrine through our upright life to add our prayers, to give alms, to love and esteem, to obey the ministry, to be zealous in supporting sincere preachers, to imitate the faith and example of godly teachers, to pray for ministers, to say amen, to test the spirit, to give gifts of support to those who teach and to those who learn in the churches and the schools, to uphold those who serve in other churches, and to refrain from bidding Godspeed to those who have left the communion and then do everything else which is set forth in God's word. You see, when we come and we hear the word of God speak, when we are overwhelmed by God's word and not the vulgarity of of this world, we learn that God has commanded that this be our gift from him, that we would be immersed by his word and have hope for the days to come. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Gather here to hear God's word. Pray for the Sunday school teachers that will begin to share God's word with their students today. Immerse yourself and your family in the word of God instead of the words of this world. Because when you do, you find Isaiah's words of promise becoming your reality as well. That you will be strengthened that you will be given hope, and you will receive life from the cross. For as Isaiah has said, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.